Goodnix explores the journey and meaning of doing good in the world. I get to choose every day when I wake up whether I'm going to work for a Fortune 500 and make a ton of money or work for the movement that is the arc of moral justice. But I realized that I also had an obligation to weaponize my privilege. One day we said, okay, if the city's not going to do it, the state's not going to do it, if some large corporation's not going to do it, why not us? And if there were enough of you, if you were organized enough, if you were loud enough, it would be too difficult for them to ignore you. Good Nix, created by Jeff Leitner, hosted by Annalisa and Relay, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Neely, I have two problems. What are those? I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where my shirt is. You you never grew chest hair? Obviously not. (laughs) Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an unprofessional development t-shirt. Yes, that sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. Welcome, friends, to a wonderful episode of Unprofessional Development. I'm Tedisco. And I'm Mealy. And today we have with us Chelsea Barrett. Is that, did I say that right? You did. First okay. try. Bonus oh, Thank point. you. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Because of my, um, I love the band Roxette from um, back, back in the 80s. And, there you go. That was the song by the police, right? No, that's Roxette. Roxette. I'm, I'm not compl- 100% sure, but they might have sang. No, that's an emotion that sang like a butterfly, a lovely butterfly. But anyway, I know Roxette sang something. Okay. It was one of those. <laughs> they sang songs. Yeah, music happened. happened. Exactly. Anyway, Google Roxette and, 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 and play it, folks. <laughs> By the we way, usually wait for the intro to start going on tangents, but yes, here we are. Yes, I know. And see, I've got a little bit more going on. I don't know if you're going to get into this, but um, I highly, 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 highly recommend. Okay. There's a podcast. It's called Ologies. Okay. It's awesome. They have just different ologists on. Like it could be a biologist, a geologist. That's anyway, so cool. It is really cool. And so they have recent episodes, some ADHD ologists <gasps> on there. And there are two episodes and they are fantastic. If you want, if you I'm writing this down, yeah, was it supposed to be one episode, but they kept getting on tangents? Exactly. And they they, they actually apologize for like, so here we are with like an almost two hour episode that people with ADHD are supposed to listen to. But anyway, Uh, it's pretty cool. But I listen to podcasts at like one and a half speed. Yes. So it's like, although my daughter who was 12 listens to her audiobooks at like 1.82 speeds, too fast for even me. I can't even, I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. (laughs) I listen to at 1.5 when I'm like listening and driving and stuff like that. And then I listen to 0.8 when I'm going to sleep and I'm trying and I'm trying to rest and I, and God, it, would, like, it would hurt me though. Do you remember that movie with the animals where they were all the bunny was a cop and there was the sloth Zootopia? Yes. Yes. And he was like, I can't even watch this. The sloth the of the DMV. Scene. Yes. He's talking me. very, I can't very even slow. Do it. And to well, all of our listeners right now, listening to this at 1.5 speed, uh, <laughs> we just want to say you're absolutely amazing. We love you. And we hope that you actually show us. Bye. Yes. <laughs> 
not ready. So back to our analogies that we like <laughs> right, to open podcast. up our, our thing with. Yes, That's yeah, we're podcasting. We're, we're going to talk about stuff. <laughs> so, so just describe your journey through the world of education as someone who is wandering through the mall and all the different stores and the kiosks that you've visited. And feel <laughs> free to do with the analogy however you want to deal with it. Look, you have my brain like working now and it's Saturday. We apologize. There we go. Okay. So the mall opened when I was 16 and I got a job at the very first daycare that I found. Uh Um, And that was something. (laughs) (laughs) I was there for a bit, but it was my first and only bout in like daycare and not education um okay. so you so were the, my, maybe maybe in kb toys you were in possibly. yeah yeah that would do something like that uh-huh. did that for a while and i was like eh. but i decided i really liked education so i got a job at another store in the mall better toy store <laughs> <laughs> that had a bit more of a focus aligned to it so i switched from you know just daycare toy store to early education. We had an intention and a purpose and fell in love with that and stayed at that school for at that job in the mall. 10 years I was there. (laughs) So I started out as an assistant teacher and then I was a lead teacher and then I was a training teacher. And then I ran the extracurricular programs and then I was assistant director and then I was director. We went through accreditation and grew the school, et cetera. So I was there for 10 years and then I got recruited to another school to kind of do the same thing. They needed it essentially burned to the ground <laughs> and then rebuilt. Oh, wow. um, so I went in to do that and I was there for a year and a half. So you had to go. So you had to go to the, another shopping center to the, I had to, to go to another shopping center. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was a lot of fun. This shopping center was stuck in like 1992 and okay. it was 2019 at the time. So we needed a bit of a, here we go. Let's move forward kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Made great progress. And then COVID happened. It did. That's the thing. The whole shopping center shut down. It might still be happening. It depends on who you ask. I try not to think about it too much. And the shopping center shut down. And for the first time I found myself without a shopping center and I didn't know what to do with myself. So Mm. like so many other educators at the time and directors and professionals were like, I'll just be a consultant. Yeah. That works. And then fell in love with that. So now I do education consulting in a whole new shopping center. Actually, my own my shopping center is like it's like a virtual shopping center now. I don't even have walls anymore that I have to hang out with. So now here I am doing So you run an Etsy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. Went from a shopping mall to an Etsy, and here we are. <laughs> there we go. Okay, cool. And what do you consult? I do kind of two sides. I do for education and education related centers. I do professional development and training and management strategy, consulting, et cetera. Recently, I found a need for educators to have more personal development, consulting, Mm -hmm. coaching. I don't know really what you would call that, but it's essentially what I would do with my early learners. Now I do it with full on (laughs) grownups. Okay. So um, that's really fun. So when they mess up, do you call their parents? Um, no, I ask them a lot of clarifying questions okay. and see if we can redirect that behavior. <laughs> nice, nice. You don't have them on the class dojo. I don't have class dojo, no. Okay. You mail them stickers. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> your chart. There we go. 
All right. So I know that you do some work with helping people with habits. Mm-hmm. Let's just get a, a baseline because I find one thing that always helps me in communication is just having a common definition. Because I think when pe- we hear a word like habit, it could be a very general word. So like, how do you define habit or, or how does science or psychology, how does that define habit? I mean, if you want to take it to the bare minimum, it's something that's become an automatic behavior, right? A behavior is something you have to kind of choose to do. And a habit, for more, for better or worse, is something you don't really think about. You just find yourself doing it. Like, why am I standing at the coffee pot again? I did this four times already. Or buckling <laughs> your seatbelt when you get in the car. You don't even think about it. You just do it. So, so like habit, when I open up my fridge when I'm bored yes. and I'm just staring at my fridge and don't know why. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's it. You nailed it. <laughs> If awesome. I could unnail it, that would also be nice because I wind yeah. up at my fridge a lot. I yeah. know. I know. I have a coffee pot issue and I'm like, I don't even know why I'm drinking coffee anymore. It's obviously not helping my ADHD or my anxiety <laughs> at this point, but here I am. <laughs> so that's kind of, I guess what we want to like get down into and, 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 and dig into. Okay. Oh, I, I got to expand my little schmooky bookie there here so I can see the, all the words. Did you just say smooky bookie? Smooky bookie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Any word that you, for something you don't know what something is, you can just make nonsense syllables and, and, and call it that. Absolutely accurate. Actually, it's part of an, the new SAT. Um, yes. <laughs> it's one of the top 66 words now. It is top 66 words. Yes. I, right. it's my, if it weren't so long, it would be my Wordle starter, starter word. <laughs> Smoky pokey. Yes. And so mm-hmm. obviously we have good habits and bad habits. So how do we take what we know about habits and how to change them and how to get rid of them and... And take that into the classroom to help our students, to help ourselves. Learning is always good. So so go ahead. First, I would take off the labels that you threw on there about good habits or bad habits and just call them habits. Okay. Uh, And then you can decide whether they align with your intention or they don't. Um, And then they vary for everyone. So that's kind of a big piece. And so where I landed on habits was I used to do a lot and now I do some trauma-informed development for schools. So what does it look like to have a trauma-informed classroom and how do you function in that way, creating psychological safety for learners and for educators? So I was doing a lot of training on that inside of schools. Mm-hmm. And the more that I did those trainings and the more that I peeled it back, we were finding that so many of the things that we needed to do to create psychological safety in a trauma-informed space came down to behaviors, mm-hmm. what we did, why we did it, how we treated what we did. And then how we treated what other people do. Right. So those are kind of, for me, the core pieces of what a psychological safe environment looks like or in trauma-informed space. And so the more that I dug that down, what educators are really asking from me was, if all of that matters so much, how do I even begin to look into what are my habits? Why are they there? How do I mm-hmm. shift them? Yeah. And all of that. So it was kind of a backwards pattern that I ended up here doing habits So what it kind of required was enough of an intentionality around asking the question, why are we doing what we're doing? How does that make us feel? How does it make other people feel? And then how do we kind of shift that? And then giving those space for others to have the same conversation. And if you take those things, that's how you create trauma-informed spaces, really, at the -hmm. the very, very base of it. So I had this teacher. So he was a teacher, and then he was my admin. Okay. And he was very like um, fastidious and organized and all that. And so when he gave me my feedback on my observation, he criticized me on how I handed out papers. He told me he literally would practice 
teaching his kids how to hand out papers. This is an elementary school. This is like high school. So the rest of the year, he could hand out papers really quickly. Is this a transferable skill? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why, because he was all about one of those people who was like hung up on the whole bell to bell thing. You know what Uh, I mean? And so everything reminds me of that basketball coach that taught their players how to tie their shoes and put on socks, how to put on socks. Yeah. John Wooten. Yes. So John John Wooten mm -hmm. or Wooden. I don't know. Anyway. So, but as I think about it and I try to like be sensitive to my kids, different kids have different trauma associated with going to get the paper. When do they pass it out? Are they, you know, like, and all of that. So let's unpack that and what what your thoughts are on, on all of that and, and how you would um, help someone who is struggling with that area and wants to want some coaching on how I hand out papers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is super interesting. So on one hand, if you're looking at the, the man who spent a lot of time efficientizing, efficientizing, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the paper process, you know, a lot of people, when they think habits, they think rigor and structure and this and this and that when it's really not that at all, it's not about adding more structure or rigor to your day. It's just really about being intentional with what you want to do with your energy and then not doing what you don't want to do and replacing them as needed. Right. And so I prefer your method, right. In that you kind of go, okay, y'all, you know, you're the, you're the learners here. So here's the paper. What do y'all think is the best way to make this happen? Mm -hmm. And if you're already in a psychologically safe classroom where there's acceptance and all of those types of things, then it would make sense that if one of the kiddos who might have some more social anxiety is like, eh, I don't really want to pass out the papers and hands them backward, then that's acceptable. Instead of saying, no, it's your turn right now. You have to hand out the papers and go and do it. You know, I think it's all about allowing for that fluidity in what's going on and what's happening and who's in your classroom. Because Mm -hmm. if we get too hung up on because the basis of trauma-informed is everybody has experienced some form of trauma and mm-hmm. has a different language in which triggers that or their behavior will reflect the trauma they've experienced and we can't know all the details. So how do we create a safe space for them? Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of almost what we don't do than what we choose to do Okay. in the classroom. And see, you have a perfect opportunity for extension questions. Like, okay, we actually have 30 seconds left before you have the papers passed out. What's the best way to get done between here and there? Right. And then, you know, new opportunity for problem solving. We're always learning. <laughs> yes. So I want to play devil's advocate here just for uh, the sake of like kind of hearing you break it down for us. So if there are teachers listening who think like, yeah, but I don't really need to focus on a trauma-enforced space because I work with an average population that doesn't deal with trauma. How would you respond to Have you heard that before? And how, how do you usually respond to it? Yeah. So most of my, okay, all of my trainings start with that statement. So I know you're sitting here and thinking that you don't have any kids in your class that have experienced any sort of trauma. Um, and, you know, I get kind of these sheepish looks from the educators like, ah, um, and it's become the conversation of what is trauma and trauma is very personal and trauma sounds like a big, scary word, right? When we hear trauma, we think like 
hospital I, death, terrible. Right. Thing. I watched my dog rip my parents throat. Yes, like that's what we think in our head when we hear trauma. But trauma in this case, I mean, get is, over uh, it. It's just uh, your parents. You, you don't even have the dog anymore. I mean, okay? yeah, come on, Batman. Social studies. Bruce Wayne should be fine by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of. The trauma, the use of the word trauma in this context is anything that has created a negative or a lasting impact on a human. And especially working in early education, that can be um, um, moving houses Mm -hmm. or, you know, a sibling moves out to go to college or Mm -hmm. their babysitter changes. Right. So when it's really trauma is not described by the external party. So you can't look at me and say this was or was not trauma. Trauma is only defined by the person who experienced it. So if mm-hmm. I move to a new house and I'm like, that impacted me negatively, then that is my trauma. But if you yeah. move to a new house and you were like, this is the best thing ever, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have that same for you. Trauma is highly personal. First, take all the big red lights that go off in your head when you hear that word. And we're really just thinking of things that have had a negative and or a lasting impact on you. So that mm-hmm. if I do move and it becomes a traumatic, you know, I, I did air quotes for this. (laughs) There's no video. It's a traumatic experience for you. Then the next time you move, you might go, oh, do you remember the last time that happened? And I'm really concerned about doing this again. And it piques your anxiety. So Mm -hmm. since COVID, this whole, I don't have anybody in my class who has experienced trauma, (laughs) has no more leg to stand on. (laughs) No. Because you have. We have all experienced some version of trauma in this situation with COVID. yeah it always drives me nuts whenever i hear teachers say like well all the other kids in my class could do it so why can't this one i'm like well talk to them find out yeah. there's yeah. some re- like no kid like if you gave the kid an option day one and said hey who wants to fail no <laughs> kid's gonna raise their hand except for the sarcastic kid in the back absolutely right. yeah. but yes. but yes. things get in the yes. way of passing and succeeding and yes. and we hit mental blocks right yes Yes. Does anyone here want to be confused and embarrassed in a few weeks about not knowing what everyone else knows? Okay. Raise your hand. Ready, set, go. <laughs> and On I a scale from one to five, part, show me in your fingers. <laughs> a harder part of all of that and why I really got more and more into this habits and the intentionality behind it was it requires a lot of self-awareness. If a teacher is saying, well, why can't you do that? Maybe the, maybe the kiddo, or even, even if the teacher was asked that same question in another scenario, don't know. We don't know why we're really hitting up against this block over and over. My 12 year old who does really well in all of her classes hates it. She'll have a math problem. She'll give the answer. And then it'll say, explain your answer. And she's like, I don't need to explain it. I just gave you the answer. Don't ask me why. So she can do the thing, but she can't tell you why or how she did it. And I think that's very similar with all kinds of behaviors in the classroom. It's like, if a kid hits somebody else and you're like, why'd you do that? And the kid's like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, there's always a disconnect, and our brains are so tangled. Sometimes we'll never find the why, right? Right? Maybe yeah. this thing, maybe hearing someone chew gum next to this kid makes them angry, and they don't know why. And maybe they'll never find out. Maybe it's just a, a thing in their brain. But like, we can't ignore it or pretend it's not happening because it's inconvenient. The why can be a valuable piece of information, but it's not everything that you need. So mm-hmm. if we can't figure out the why, then we just look at redirecting the behavior. Well, now we, we don't really know why this happens, but we know this happens. We know the trigger for the loop and we know what's going to happen next. So how are we, if we can't change the trigger, what are we changing next in the habit loop? 
Yeah, I had a conversation with a student th- this week. He's a liar. Okay. He just lies all the time. And we, and we know these kids mm-hmm. and, you know, he was lying about why he was wandering off and where he was and what he was supposed to be doing. And, and, and I'd caught him in like two or three different times. At one time he was like just wandering up and down the hall, asking teachers to give him a pass to my class. No, no, no. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because like he had just been he had just been out yes. doing wandering, and he knew he needed a pass, so he just like started asking <laughs> random teachers for a pass. Which is, I mean, somebody will say yes. <laughs> eventually, you might get one that's just like okay, Bold. whatever, go. Yes, bold move. And I actually have had to make a readjustment towards two speaks of habits. I said, you know, I know you're lying. He's like, why do you think I'm lying? And I go, that's between you and your psychologist. I said, I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why you're lying. I said, I, I don't have time to figure that out for you. But I said, I just know that you are. And I've got to take actions based on the fact that I know that you're lying when you're talking to me most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, but then I also had to make an adjustment to myself. Speaking of habits, it got me really, really frustrated when people lie to me because the way that I process that is as a personal insult. Right. right. If they're but, lying to everybody, it means that that's just how they react to things. Right. It's not personal about us, right, but right. it can feel really personal because teaching's pretty emotionally traumatizing. Right. <laughs> and so I've working on that. So maybe you can help me here. My new habit is to like when someone lies to me to just not lose my cool. So, so what does losing your cool look like to you? So, so, so tell me that um, the wall behind you is green. The wall behind me is green. No, the wall behind you is white. Like I can see that it's white. No, it's green. I'm looking at it. Okay, listen, I'm not stupid. All right. Okay. I see the wall is white. I don't know why you're telling me that it's green, but you are not going to fool this guy because he knows the difference between white and green. Stop telling me it's green when it's white. What is wrong? Why are you telling that to me? That's what, that's what this might. That's probably the like the. We're gonna nominate Mealy for an Oscar for that performance. Actually, that was yeah, that's, 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 that's really that's, good. That's toned down. Well, I'm 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 I I go there. I mean that that's real, but I'm I, and I'm that's me squashing it a little bit, a little more venomous, which probably rarely is seen on this podcast. And, and like normally when it happens, it happens once every year or two, and then I'll like mm-hmm. apologize to the whole class. And I'm like, I know I haven't acted like this the entire year, and it's a really <laughs> weird thing to see me like because the whole class, confused. the whole class gets like stone cold silent for like literally probably the next 20 minutes when they see that happen because it doesn't happen very often so so what's your objective with the behavior there isn't an objective i'm just reacting well if you, what did you want like you're responding in that way because you want oh. something from that other person what are you what i want you him want? to know that i'm not stupid how would you know if he knows you're not stupid in my mind and when he, when he would agree with me that the, that the wall was white and not green okay so you would want a verbal agreement yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Actually, that right. the wall is actually white, not green. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I, but I, I know I'm not going to get it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, the trigger for the habit loop is someone lying to you. Left your executive function and found yourself in your amygdala with no ability to get out. Yeah. Flooded. <laughs> so with the bad habit, so we identified uh, what Mealy's trigger is and what the loop is. Often we ask first, can we change the trigger? And if the trigger is something you do, then possibly. But in this case, you can't control other people doing. So we know that we're not going to be able to change the trigger. Sorry. So that would be like if I knew there are two kids who just didn't get along, who argued all the time. If I could like separate them, then I could stop the trigger and we could prevent like that, that behavior loop. Possibly. So I've got one that's even better than that. Okay. 
I get triggered when I get on the interstate. It takes me five minutes longer to get to work, but I don't get on the interstate and have to deal with the merging and people driving 80 miles an hour. So I drive like 50 miles an hour on another street and I've completely avoided that that trauma that that that, that you fixed me. your habit loop. Look right. at you. <laughs> yes, thank you. So in this case, we can't change the trigger. So we're gonna look at the response. Mm-hmm. And often that's the hardest part to change because we're looking at a habit. You're habitually responding. Your brain is going, warning, warning, <laughs> warning. Yes. This person is lying. Oh my gosh. Yes. So yes. we're they not think I'm to- stupid. I'm right. not stupid. And the thing about behaviors or habits is that there's feelings associated with them, mm-hmm. right? And so we're not going to be able to change that right off the bat. So mm-hmm. what we what we do is we switch it with one tiny thing. So this could be, I worked with a teacher on this before, and she worked in early education, and she mm-hmm. was having such a hard time with kids coming up to her, you know, to have them have her open their lunches, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they would like cough or sneeze or Mm -hmm. something. And her food was right here. And she was like, I can't live like this. And it seemed really silly, but she was just so frustrated by it. So we were, the hope was that in the long term, we're going to change the behavior, the trigger response, because we're talking about a neural pathway that's been built in your brain. Like you're happy, you're doing that. Mm -hmm. The marbles automatically run that course. So if we want to change the marbles, we have to intentionally push them in a new way. Mm-hmm. So what we did for her was, okay, when someone does this, when they sneeze on you or whatever, before you respond, you have a choice between what happens and the response. Yes. So there's like this much space in there to slide mm-hmm. something else in. <laughs> yeah. So what we slid in yeah. there was an intentional smile and an exhale. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she... And it was not, we're going to change this entire behavior pattern right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. All we were looking for was in that space between what happens in your response, give me a smile and exhale. And that was it. And that was success. It was a tiny habit. Have you read that book by BJ Fogg called Tiny Habits? It's Mm -hmm. amazing. I I don't read. But I know that there's some guy that Frankel discusses that as well. Um, Frankel talks talks about that in in between. I've a hundred percent got, I've got him. You have inspired me. I don't know how you did it, but you are, you've worked your magic and my brain is there. I am going to, tr- I am going to yes. And, and we are going to go with an improv and whatever they do, I am going to go more ridiculous than them. And that will take me to my happy place of just being insane and silly. And so I, my goal is going to be to yes. And whatever they say, and just, and just go there with them. Okay? It's green. The wall behind you is green and there's lovely polka dots. Yes. Yeah. It's, Obviously, it's obviously made of moon, okay? Because it is green cheese. And I am so jealous that you have part of the moon on your wall. Please, can you send part of your part of your moon green cheese wall to I, me? I will also tell you what I tell my 12-year-old because she is quick to respond frustratingly mm-hmm. with other people when they're wrong. She's like, no, you're wrong. I'm going to tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, but we say, you are a limited energy being. So you choose how much energy you put out. So if they're up here and you match their energy, mm-hmm. you may feel all cool while you're debating them, but you're actually giving away energy to something you don't really want to be doing, which means mm. you're taking it away from something you do want to be doing. So do you okay. even want to give energy to that? And she's I do. like, mom, I do. I do. <laughs> I yeah, I, and I do. I do want, I want to give energy to the yes. And yes, I, I do. I do. Hey, yes. do it. Okay. So. 
There's so much I want to talk to. I, I want to pick your brain forever because this is <laughs> wonderful and fascinating. So in terms of habits, one problem that I know a lot of people run into is shame, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I got this bad habit and I feel ashamed. I feel embarrassed about it. Can you just mm-hmm. kind of break down for us like what exactly is going on there and, and how do we kind of overcome that or get to the next step to to deal with those those behaviors? Yeah, so my entire like the cohort that I run and the courses that I do, they're all shame proof habits um, because for that very purpose, because the feeling that you're associating with the habit or with your behavior trying to change is what you're going to keep. Okay. So I like to say the difference between a manual car and an automatic car. Mm -hmm. So when you're driving a manual car, this is a behavior before it's become a habit. You're choosing to put it in first gear. You're choosing to put it in second gear and the feelings that are associated with that. You put it in first gear. You're like, oh, this is kind of fun. You put it in second gear. You're like, this is even more fun. You know, and you go up and your, your feelings are happening and you're kind of choosing them. It's going slow enough that you can change your thoughts, your feelings. You can change the gear you're in, et cetera. When you're in an automatic, you don't get any choice over all of that. Mm-hmm. So you're automatically shifted through all the gears and the feelings that you have happen automatically with it. So if you wake up in the morning and think I'm fat and ugly and I hate my body, I should definitely go run and you go run and say you keep that habit. I mean, that behavior and it becomes a habit and you run that feeling that you associated with the behavior is now tied. So every time Mm. you're going to run, you're like, I'm running because I'm fat, because I'm lazy, because I'm this and I'm doing that to make those things stop. Well, then you're, you're building, you're building in the habit of running, but at the very same time, you're building in the habit of that type of self-talk, that type of shame, Mm. which sucks. (laughs) No one really wants that. So if you do it from the beginning of you're shifting that talk, I'm going to go run because I love my body and I'm thankful that I can. And you're doing that, even though it sounds like ah, a little cheesy, a little hokey, yeah. right? But you're wanting to tie that thought to that behavior because when it becomes a habit, like it or not, that thought is going with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's a huge part of it for me. That's it's, fascinating. Wouldn't want to do any behavior into a habit without first understanding what's my thought that's going with it, because your thought, like it or not, is going with you. (laughs) You know where I think about this sort of thing a lot, too, is the way schools handle misbehavior and student consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm going to make this kid uh, write an essay because he was being bad or my whole class is loud and annoying. So everybody needs to read silently for 30 minutes. Uh I'm like, you're having them associate your work with punishment and consequences and misery. So I mean, that's the whole natural consequences, right? You would rather find what's the natural consequence to this behavior instead of a created consequence to that behavior. If you can. Yeah. So when I catch kids lying, you know, the the natural consequences, okay, well, I've lost some, some belief in you. So now whenever you need to come or go, I need a pass. I need it or else we're going to call home. Yeah. Natural con that's a natural consequence to the behavior, which makes so much more sense because then they're associating loss of trust with lying instead of lying with writing an essay. And now every time they write an essay, they're having that. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. 
feeling associated with I just which is oh which is traumatizing hey ah, we're back to the start we're all look the way at back us to trauma right and there we go and now there's this kid in your class and you're wondering why he's not writing an essay and it's because his teacher three years ago made him write an essay because he was doing something else mm-hmm. right that yeah happens i'm with a lot of my kids if there's a teacher listening and they want to create or eliminate one habit in the next 24 hours besides obviously visiting your website and connecting with you and all that kind of stuff which they definitely should do okay (laughs) but um what is like a thing that you can say hey here's here's the next thing you should do in order to create or to um eliminate a habit that you're that you're um attempting to do my first question and all of that i am the queen of clarifying questions i Mm -hmm. love clarifying questions just like Mm -hmm. can i ask you a question about that i always say i don't really provide a service. I just ask a lot of questions and then you have to answer it yourself. But it's really like the first thing would be, why do I want to add this behavior or change this behavior? And then that gives you the intention because like we talked about a minute ago, if you're doing it from a place of shame or frustration or trying to be like somebody else or whatever, it's going to, to kind of taint wherever you're going, you're taking away or what you're doing. So first you want to be very clear on why you're wanting to do that. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. And then look for the trigger, but definitely why is it, do I want to change this behavior? Okay. And if you can, and if that, then you can drive the way to go there. Cause then that mm-hmm. will, that will, that will motivate you and a why that's positive or, or not shame, not shame, um, induced. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Is there a habit that you want to change by the way to this go? I mean, I'd really like to be able to grade papers faster. <laughs> There's so many times I look at all the papers and go, man, someone should grade those. <laughs> but I got this YouTube to watch. Uh, man, my schedule's just, it's packed. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Crazy how that works. You That's know? Right? Man. Just start stacking habits. Just start stacking habits. You can do this. I believe you. To one habit with the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tell you what, you said you you I talked to um Basheva about um grading, but I'm like maybe knee deep in the in the in the ungrading world. Oh yeah. Um, That's what our whole episode was about. Giving just feedback and then letting the kid determine the grade will speed up your grading a lot. Because you're not worrying how many points this is, how many times do I need to say this. Now, on the on the flip side, you're going to have to have a conference with the student, which is going to take time, but it's going to be much more productive and it's going to lead to much more learning, which is the goal, again, is always is always for the kids to be learning. Problem in addition had. to that, what if we taught them intentionally to look for internal validation instead of external consistently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> right, right. But in terms of solving Tedisco's specific problem, it will it'll it'll speed up your your grading so much when you mm-hmm. don't have to um everything doesn't have to be placed a specific value. I have oh, I'm sorry, this is totally off topic, but yeah. this is a question that's been bugging me all year. And like I've I've asked like the counselors and psychologists in my school, we can't come up with consensus. I'm curious about your thoughts on it. We have a lot of some unstructured time at our school, right? We have recess time and lunch time, and it's unstructured. And so kids just kind of do whatever. And some of the kids, you know, during instructor time are going to misbehave. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you think it's more beneficial, like in your personal opinion, for kids to have unstructured time and us to have those conversations and give consequences for those uh, those bad habits? Or is it more beneficial for us to continue to give them structured time to eliminate the possibility of them uh, misbehaving? Ooh. Hmm. So I have a question. 
(laughs) (laughs) If we go with option B, then we're assuming that we would have to do that in perpetuity. So in other areas of their life, now are they able to take that type of structure that you're giving them there and place it in other areas if we choose to go with option B? See, that's my argument. I'm with option A all, all the way. Yeah. But everybody else is like, oh, well, these kids are misbehaving. So let's make them all walk the track during recess in, in a straight line. I'm like, that oh doesn't God. teach them anything. Yeah. No. I mean, that's a short term solution, which is really not a solution at all, as opposed to the other side. The other side takes more work. But then and it actually makes them hate walking again. Them. Again, now that now they associate like a healthy behavior. With, yeah. Um, Running is with, bad. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that Thank doesn't make you. any sense. Hear that, middle school teachers, <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> yes, and elementary school teachers do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's let's move on to some uh, uh, funny stories, and then when we wrap up, I want to hear about all the the wonderful things you've produced and all the amazing ways that people can get in contact with you. So we know in the world of education, ridiculous things happen all the time, every day, everywhere. So in your experience, either as a, a consultant or as a, uh, an educator, or even working in, in uh, preschool, what, what are some ridiculous, funny stories that you know could only happen in the world of education? <laughs> well, we had an art day at the school that I was running and our art teacher was helping the kiddos make clay pots. And in order to heat them, she had found something on Pinterest where you could do it in the microwave because you didn't have a kiln and blah, blah. We had 200 students. (laughs) If you do the backwards math, (laughs) we were not quite sure that you could do that many in that sort of time. Anyway, she she decides that, well, if we turn up the power of the microwave, I need more, then we can do them in less time. Oh, this is a graduate level physics problem. I know. If we put more than one in That's how I bake cakes. I just bake them on 800 for 10 minutes. Right, right. If we put more than one in there at a higher power, then we can get through all of this faster. And I'm like, okay, but listen, it's also fire truck day. Okay. (laughs) Why we did this on the same day, I don't know. But please, like, please just don't burn anything down. So we are all outside. I feel like you know where this is going. We're all outside (laughs) with the firefighters who are giving us a tour of their truck and all of that. And every other year, but we always get sad because they get called away to some call, right? And everything's kind of cool. And so they were like, we haven't even gotten a call this year. And then at that very moment, our fire alarms start going off. Nice. Their their walkies start going and they're like, huh. And it was huh. our very own microwave kiln nice. that had created a smoky situation. Oh my. <clears throat> so they got called away, but we still got to keep them. And we all made clay pots. Some of them were a bit black, but you know, it all <laughs> turned out in the end. <laughs> my daughter was maybe nine, 10. And I don't know why she didn't put the bagel in the toaster oven. And I don't know how long she set it in the microwave, but there is some point if you put a bagel in the microwave long enough that it will start smoking. And, <laughs> and like, literally there was like smoke all throughout the house. And I'm like, I've used microwave a lot. I've never caused smoke to come out of a microwave. Like stuff has gotten really That's hot. Impressive. 
Couldn't talk, right? You know, uh-huh. she hit like the meat defrost button where it was going to run for 15 minutes. I and <laughs> no idea what she did, you know, of course. And then she was traumatized, you know, from, uh-huh. from, from, from that. And she's like, oh my goodness. What? I'm like, I, I don't know. Just throw them, throw the bagel out and we'll get another one, I guess. Go to wait and start over. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. So hit us with everything that you do. And anyone who's listening to this, that was, that has just been, fascinated interested curious whatever and wants to um you know change their habits be a better teacher find out anything else that you do what should what should um they do and what 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 could what could you do for them if they're if they're interested yeah i mean you asked about like their best first step to start thinking about a change in a habit and there's actually a free download on my site that's like four questions to, you can ask to start shame proofing your habits and that's always you know where you start Um, so I think definitely do that because that seems like the easiest way it's free and, you know, you don't have to give me anything. I don't have to give you anything. So it all works out. Um, and then, yeah, I run shame proof cohorts where we all get to talk about like essentially this once a Mm -hmm. week, you talk about why are we doing that? How do we change it? What do we do? And I give you templates and all that to figure out how to change your behaviors. And I ask a lot of clarifying questions. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, um, I still do training and development for schools, but not really as much anymore because I really like getting to work one-on-one with people now. It feeds that teacher educator part in me. <laughs> nice. nice. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has just been an, an absolute blast. I, I just, you know, I have really, really enjoyed this and we hope and we assume that the listeners have really, really enjoyed it. And we just, we really appreciate you coming and, um, and thanks shout out to, um, Batsheva for, um, recommending you. And, um, we just like sharing guests with her and we, she's just like a, a great, um, friend. She's great. And it sounds like our conversation is completely different from the conversation you had with her, which is really is. cool. So yeah. go, Go if you want to hear more about the whole ungrading thing and and Chelsea's take on that. Um, we'll, we'll find we'll find that. And she's got she has two names. Okay, I think she works <laughs> for the FBI or CIA or something like that. But anyway, we will post the link to the episode on um, with Basheva um, right down there in your show notes, so you can you can like double dip. You, you're binging Chelsea right now. Okay? Isn't that exciting? That is yes, so exciting. It is, okay, so, binging so Chelsea is going to be the name of your TV show. Yes. Right. So, I'm going to write it down. So, um, so anyway, thanks again. We really appreciate it. And as we always say, stay unprofessional. Thank you. And stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay Stay unprofessional. unprofessional.